What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Elite Heat Podcast, the only wrestling show that you need on Mondays. Who needs to watch a three-hour Monday Night Raw when you can listen to Bonafide Heat and the Elitist talk about whatever the hell is going on in wrestling? We got a pretty topical topic today. We're going to be talking about Daniel Bryan. I, I almost feel like we should have scrapped this and talked about Nakamura, but I, quite frankly, I don't think we could get an hour podcast out of Nakamura because, you know, Daniel Bryan was the favorite to win the Royal Rumble, and now it's Nakamura. I don't know what's going on. It's the Yes Movement, Kofi Mania, Nakamania, whatever. But welcome to the Elitist. How you doing, sir? Oh, doing good, Kevin. As I say every episode, we made it episode four this time, so it's great to see. This episode today... All about the man himself, Daniel Bryan. We chose to do him mainly because it's January. It's Royal Rumble season for the past well few years, mainly 2014 and 15, but seemingly this year as well. It, it's a lot of Daniel Bryan talk at this time of year. So he's a topical guy to talk about. He's got a fascinating career, especially a couple of things. Yes, movement, his return, Planet's Champion, plenty of stuff to talk about. So should be a fun episode nonetheless. Yes, sir. Man, but before we get into it, I got to thank everybody, really got to thank everybody who turned out into the chat for uh, for episode three, our Goldberg episode. You guys came through. Uh, and thank you, Elitist, for holding it down. I really, you know, I couldn't really be there for much of the chat. Had to leave early when I did get there. It, 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 was, a, it was a tough week for me, but thank you guys all for showing up. Thank you again for holding it down. We're sitting at like 34 likes on that. The watch time is ridiculous. The, the support on the podcast has just been unbelievable. Uh, going forward now, the podcast will be available at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Spotify. Still working on Apple Music, but we're going to be on Spotify amongst other platforms. Man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just excited. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's, it's great to expand the podcast. I mean, this started out about a month ago. This is first first pitched, and it's good to see already we're growing it. Spotify, you mentioned it there, growing out on other podcasting platforms. So. Don't, you don't need to just listen to us via a YouTube video and watch the YouTube video. You can go on Spotify, search up Elite Heat. We're there. We come up, listen to our show. You can do it that way. You can do it anyway. It's just it's a good thing we got going here. So, yeah, without further ado, actually, one thing I want to mention, going forward as of this week and then on, personally, I won't be able to make the live chats much. I'll, I'll try and be there for some, but it's mainly going to be bona fide heat in the chat. So, yeah, feel free. Keep, keep the vibes going. The chat's a bit of fun. So keep joking around. Keep having some fun. It's the only wrestling show you need on Mondays, as we say. So yeah, I think it's about, about, about the intro, Kevin. Yeah, I'll just I'll add this quickly too. Uh, we, there might be a point in time, in, in not the near future, but sometime in the future where we'll have to cut the premieres if neither one of us can make it. Because, you know, as things start to open and universities start to open, I might be back if, in school physically. So we'll see how that goes. But we'll, we'll, we'll address that when we get there. Let's talk about Daniel Bryan. Let's talk about the man at hand. I, I got to ask you a question that's a little bit off the cuff. I'm going to come in hot first off. Why are people obsessed with Daniel Bryan winning the Royal Rumble? Can you put your finger on it? Like, There's literally never been a wrestler that people want to see win the, Dan win the Royal Rumble more than Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it, it's a great question. Because like, when I think Daniel Bryan, this is a guy who... We'll definitely talk about this a lot later, but he's so not anti-establishment, but what Daniel Bryan represents, he represents what the internet stereotypical indie wrestling fan, the quote-unquote smark of sorts, he represents their dream wrestler. He was in the indies for, God, what, 10, 12 years, had a storied indie career as the American Dragon. He came in, 
He's an undersized type guy. He's not the the Roman Reigns or the Cena or like the the Lex Luger kind of like body guy who Vince McMahon likes. So in that regard, I think the nature of the 2010s social media culture, internet fans expressing their voice, as a result of that almost, I'd say that Daniel Bryan has been a benefactor because Daniel Bryan is anti-establishment in you know what he looks like and how he wrestles. And I think that's kind of what it is. I don't know. I, what do you think, Kevin? Because it, it's an interesting question. I, I honestly, I can't put a finger on it. I really can't. I, I think it just comes down to people wanting, just rejecting establishment. I think Daniel Bryan just happened to be the guy that benefited from it the most. Like you kind of touched on. But I'll expand. People, they really didn't want Roman Reigns. And it was like, okay, Daniel Bryan is the next best guy. We're going to cheer for him. And ironically, people want Daniel Bryan to be booked the way Roman Reigns is booked, the way Stone Cold is booked. Like People want Daniel Bryan to win everything. They want him to be everything that they hate on the people that they hate, if that makes any sense. It's a very, yeah. it's a, it's a confu- confusing enigma with Daniel Bryan. And I really can't put a finger on it and I can't pinpoint it down to one thing. Yeah, because, I mean, when I look at Daniel Bryan, like, you think, okay, he had, like, a bunch of amazing matches in, like, these indie promotions. He can have great matches. Wrestlers in, like, the wrestling industry themselves, like, praise Daniel Bryan. I believe it was one of the members of FTR the other day, like, tweeted yeah. out that Brian's like the greatest like wrestler like they've ever like seen or something like that so oh my god I, I, I hate to cut you off but I gotta say something yeah have yeah. you seen the clip of N- Natalia and Tyson Kidd from from uh what Total Divas have you seen this famous clip do you know what I'm talking about I probably do just, just tell, tell us Kevin what's the what's so the so Tyson Kidd is another one of those wrestlers that you mentioned that praised us in and in this episode of, don't ask me how I know this, in this episode of Total Divas. You watch every episode of Total Divas, Kevin. Don't lie to us. <laughs> yes. Don't lie to the people. Yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No. This was like, I don't know when this was, like 2013 or something. So Natalia and Nikki Bella are going like lingerie shopping. And Natalia's like, I don't know what to do with my marriage. All, all my husband wants to do is sit and watch Daniel Bryan matches. So, so they, so they cut. She goes. She buys lingerie. Whatever. Fast forward. They cut to Natty and uh, what's his name, Tyson Kidd, in the apartment, and they're sitting there watching a Daniel Bryan match. She comes out of the bathroom or whatever in this lingerie, and she's oh, I know like, "The one. I know the one. I know the one. Yeah, yeah." Exactly. He's like, "Oh, I'm too busy. I want to watch Brian. Look at Brian's work rate. God, if I could be like oh. Brian, you know." And I'm just like, "I'm oh. like, bro, you got Natalia right there, man. Like, ha- like." How does this marriage last? I don't understand. Yeah, it's a whole it's the whole thing of like wrestlers nowadays. I think technical work rate productions talk about this a lot, but the wrestlers have like become like just marks. And they're like the, the marks are in the ring as opposed to watching from the crowd. So you see that with that instance there, which is jokes. Like that is that is hysterical. But yeah, so many people are like that in the business. Tyson Kidd, the the, the you know, one of the revival both the revival guys basically, so many more others. I think CM Brian in that regard, he's the, the the wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he's your favorite yeah. wrestler's favorite wrestler. Yeah. So in that regard, I think that's one of the reasons why people are generally obsessed with Daniel Bryan. And I think you, taking that, we'll move on to the next question, Kevin. I'll ask you. You're a pretty big Bryan fan, so just I want to know your just honest thoughts on Daniel Bryan overall. Yeah, overall, I I just I think he's a really good wrestler. I, I think when you watch a Daniel Bryan match. You're gonna see something that you don't that you don't usually see from the other wrestlers. He's gonna give you something unique in most of his matches. 
Uh, and I, I think that's something that you have to commend him for. And I really enjoyed his character work, whether that be a Team Hell No or that be as the planet's champion. Those are really my favorite incarnations of Daniel Bryan. And I, I think overall, he's just a guy that realistically is a guy that never should have been in the position that he was in or that he is in as a top star in wrestling. And he's kind of stayed afloat through it all, through the Yes movement, through losing in 10 seconds to Sheamus. He, he, I mean, he's a, he's a warrior, bro. Well, what, what's, your, uh, what's your honest thoughts on him? Um, I, I think Brian, like I, I see Brian and I think this is the guy who should have been like the Intercontinental Champion for life type of wrestler, which people are going to see that as like a slight on Brian. It's not. If you take, look the IC title in the 80s and the 90s, that thing was the workhorse title, like by far the most prestigious, like secondary belt in wrestling. It was the belt that all like the true wrestlers wanted to win. And so in that regard, I think Daniel Bryan, like that was his thing, but because of one, how Punk empowered the internet people, you know, the internet fans from the pipe bomb, and then how WWE caved for them with the S movement. As a result of that, Brian went from like that kind of tier, like the, the world heavyweight champion on SmackDown, intercontinental champion type, but kind of like secondary tier, up to the main event, like V level, because of that. So I, I personally don't think that that was a good thing like for wrestling, but we'll talk about that a lot more later. I, overall, I think Brian. Amazing in-ring wrestler hasn't been able to show that much as much in WWE because WWE it's it's less free you know free flowing as the Indies. Not going to let you have a fifty-five minute just hell for leather death match in WWE. But nonetheless, Brian's just one of the best wrestlers in the world. That's irrefutable. I think character work, as you said, he got to show that off in Team Hell No as the Planet's Champion. As a baby face, Brian's just bland though. That's my personal opinion. And yeah, overall, I like Brian. I'm not the biggest fan, but that's just me. Yeah, essentially, you wanted him to be like the Kurt, like the Mister Perfect or the Ricky Steamboat of this generation, and I really couldn't yes, agree more with you. Like exactly. that's yeah, that's what he should have been. He should have been the guy that when you think of like real legitimate wrestler or quote unquote legitimate wrestler, you think Daniel Bryan or like a Bret Hart, like somebody that you watch their matches and you're like, okay, this dude, you know, he's not doing a lot of fake stuff. Like he's keeping yeah. It- like honestly, here, honestly, here, sorry to cut you off. Honestly, there's no reason why Mike Mizanin or The Miz is, what, an eight, nine-time Intercontinental Champion and Brian's won the belt, what, once, maybe twice? Right. Like, that, that's, right. That, that's just – there's so much wrong with that. Okay, Brian – the role should be reversed. Brian should have been this, you know, you know long-reigning IC champion from, like, 2011 through, you know, whenever he could have been. Like, Brian and Ziggler having these amazing five-star work rate matches in the co-main event. Brian against all these guys, Brian versus Punk, the IC title, like stuff like that. That's where I think Brian would have been so perfect. So that's just me. Yeah, absolutely. And like I talked about how people wanted him to win everything and be a baby face. It's like, it's like if you wanted in the attitude era, you wanted X-Pac to be the world champion over Stone Cold because X-Pac was a better in-ring worker than Stone Cold. And it's like, you're like, oh, Stone Cold shoved down our throats, but we want X-Pac to be shoved down our throats. Like it doesn't make any sense. And that's always been a thing about Daniel Bryan that like, it's one of those things that you have to think about. It's just the elephant in the room with Daniel Bryan. It's like people want more for him than not, not to say that he doesn't deserve it, but then like realistically what he would have been given in a different era. If you take Daniel Bryan and you stick him in the late eighties or the mid nineties, he would be feuding with Shawn Michaels for the intercontinental championship, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon or feuding with Bret Hart in the early nineties, like he wouldn't have been wrestling Hulk Hogan and earthquake and Yokozuna and all these guys. It just wouldn't have happened. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, like take da- using that, what you just said there, take Daniel Bryan, put him in the Attitude Era. What would he be doing? He'd be having matches for the light heavyweight championship with Taka Mishinoku, and he'd be, you know, mixing it up with probably X Park, like that kind of thing. You wouldn't have Daniel Bryan and Steve Austin having a promo back and forth, or Daniel Bryan trading verbal bars with The Rock. Like that kind of stuff wouldn't happen. Like, so in that regard, I think Bryan, as we talked about before, he's been a benefactor of the time period, the day and age, the more accepting of any, you know, body shape, size, personality, ability, all that kind of stuff. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, we'll talk about it more, but it, he kind of showed why he shouldn't have been in the main event. Not him, not that he showed it, but we, we'll, we know what happened when he got put in the main event scene. We'll, we'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I think we're ready to move on to the next topic. We're going to cover yep. you know, his main event run more. So Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce this and then I'll let you go on with this. So we'll, we'll kind of run over this section like a little bit. We're not like Daniel Bryan, or sorry, Brian Danielson, like experts. We haven't watched the full Ring of Honor library and seen all his great matches with Roderick Strong from Death Before Dishonor 47 in 2006. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about more so Brian, like the early days, the indie days. So we've called this section Maggle Cole's Nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> bit of funny, bit of funny content. <laughs> but nonetheless, Kevin, I'll throw this over to you. Talk to us briefly about Brian, the indies, him coming to WWE, all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people might not know this, but he actually was in the WWE in, I think it was 2000. Like when he was like a young kid training at Shawn Michaels training school. And Shawn Michaels actually thought he was going to be the next big thing. And uh, Shawn Michaels was right. He would be the next big thing. Shawn Michaels saw something. And I want to ask you this more. So this is more geared towards Shawn Michaels because we know he had wrestling school then. And now he pretty much runs NXT along with Triple H. Do you think Shawn Michaels is doing a good job? finding talent in NXT and pushing talent? Oh, it's a great question. Um, it, it really comes down to, I guess, what kind of wrestling show you're trying to put together. I think mm-hmm. as far as like the NXT style, the more like indie focus type show, like Shawn Michaels is perfect for that. Like identifying the Adam Coles, the Johnny Gagano's, Ballas, those types. But like, I don't know with Shawn. I mean, he's, yeah, he has me blocked on Twitter, which... That's another issue in and of itself. But when it comes to Shawn Michaels, he identified Brian, which, you know, definitely good. He identified like the wrestling talent there, like early on, because that was, yeah, what, 2000, 2001, like really early days. So Shawn definitely does have a good eye for like the in ring type talent. I, I don't know, because Shawn, he was such a charismatic person and charismatic like performer, like, you know, the sexy boy and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know whether he can identify the personality as well as he can the wrestling. Yeah, it's odd. Like like you said, he was sexy boy. He was Mr. Charisma. He's one of the, you know, the the, the top five or six wrestlers in the history of, of wrestling. And and he really has a hard time finding people and that are on his level of charisma. And I I think you could argue that those people like Shawn Michaels don't exist anymore. They're not not that they don't exist, but they're not trying to get into wrestling. They're trying to get into MMA or football or something else. Yeah, like these sorry, yeah, these people nowadays are more compelled by seeing Conor McGregor and what he's doing, where, where you strut onto the stage, you make a scene in the press conference. They're, they're more into seeing that and wanting to be like that than wanting to be the next Shawn Michaels coming out with Sherry, you know, dancing the sexy boy. Like, yeah. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head. So then, yeah, so then Daniel Bryan, you know, or Bryan Danielson, he spent a lot of time in Ring of Honor. He really had, like, one of the best careers, I guess, in, in Ring of Honor and, like, indie wrestling history. He became one of, like, the founding fathers of the 
the golden era of indie wrestling. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that CM Punk kind of paved the way for Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan kind of took what CM Punk did and really opened the floodgates. Like without Daniel Bryan, you know, maybe Finn Balor wouldn't have been a world champion, Kevin Owens, guys like that. I think that's pretty fair to say, right? Yeah, because I think like when you're comparing Bryan and Punk briefly, I think what the thing is with them too, like you mentioned Punk kind of paving the way. I think it's fair to say that Bryan has less of, I guess, say ego, less of like an entitlement. Like Punk, yeah, he did pave the way, but he was always like, oh, I want to be the main event. I want to be WrestleMania main event closing the show. Whereas Brian seemed to be more like accepting and willing to do like, you know, you know, go through being buried, quote unquote, to really achieve success. That's fair to say. Right. And then the main difference, too, is Punk was more of a sports entertainer. Meanwhile, Daniel Bryan was a pro wrestler. So yeah. in that in that respect, yeah. Daniel Bryan really like you can't you, you can relate Daniel Bryan to Kevin Owens and Finn Balor and guys like that. Adam Cole guys that are really good wrestlers, but they don't really have much charisma-wise. CM Punk was everything that you want in a sports entertainer. He just didn't look like Triple H or Batista. But everything yeah. else, he was that. He was great on the mic, good charisma, good presence. So Brian really relates to these guys, and it's you know it's really crazy to see. like A guy like Daniel Bryan just not supposed to make it. you know. And then um, he was a part of the, of the first NXT run. A lot of people probably don't even know about that. The, the Nexus, he was in, in that. With John Cena buried the Nexus. We got to do a whole podcast on that, too. Oh, the, yep. <laughs> the, most, the most notable thing from his early run, though, was a match he had with Chris Jericho on an early NXT episode. Pretty good match. If you guys haven't seen it, go back, check it out. And for choking Justin Roberts on, when the Nexus invaded Raw. And they, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that famous segment. If you look close, if you look closely, you can see Daniel Bryan with Justin Roberts tie around Justin Roberts neck, like choking the life out of him. And he got fired for that. So that's really like there could have been no Daniel Bryan if he never came back. Yeah. Like, yeah, Bryan. I mean, I believe what, what his thing was, he, he'd done the whole indie career. He was like the ring of honor guy, the indie guy had such great like matches and feuds with, you know, Nigel McGuinness. The, you know, Austin Aries type, Samoa Joe Roderick Strong, even like CM Punk, like those types. Like they had uh, infamous classic battles in the indies. And then Brian gets to like 2009. And I, I believe the thing with him was that he was either going to, you know, he's at a point with wrestling where he was either going to drop out or if he got given the chance with WWE, he'd take it, which he took the chance, moved to NXT, the Jericho match, the Nexus stuff, which as you say, we're definitely going to make in a video. So. I can't wait to do that. But yeah, Brian chokes out Justin Roberts with the tie. Not the best look for Brian Danielson. Not something you really expect for him to do. But then again, it, it did make compelling TV, but it wasn't really like a great look. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it was just a rookie that got kind of excited in a big time segment. It is what it is. Things happen. There's We've seen worse. You know, we like like a drunk JBL punching Blue Meanie for real and hitting him with shoot chair shots. Like we've seen worse. <laughs> so yeah for sure so i think this will lead us into a question here just in general you're watching around this time so what did you kevin see as daniel bryan's like ceiling of sorts in 2010 like this guy comes in he's fairly like very vanilla like what did you think his ceiling was and i'll be honest i didn't think he had that high of a ceiling when i first saw him i, I looked at him and i was like oh that's not a vince guy because in this era, even in 2010, it was like everybody had to look like Randy Orton. They had to look like Batista. They had to look like Jack Swagger, Sheamus. Like that was God. the guys dominating the, the main event scene. Think about it, 2010, yeah. the, the main event scene. I don't really need to go in detail on oh, it. but 
dreadful. I looked dreadful. at Daniel Bryan and I was like, yeah, this guy, I, I don't know if he's going to last. I don't know. I really, yeah. I, I If you would have told me in 2010 that he would have headlined a WrestleMania and had the whole arena behind him and beat the, and he would have beat Evolution in one night, I wouldn't have believed <sighs> it. I would not have believed it. Oh, for sure. Like you look at Daniel Bryan when he came in in 2010 and like 2011, that version of Bryan where he had like no beard, he was, you know, didn't really have a promo on him really. He was basically as vanilla as it gets. So you see that guy, you'd imagine Vince would look at him and think, oh, yeah, he's going to be jobbing on superstars in no time. But to exactly. see Bryan where he went from, where he went like after that and what he did with his career, it's, it is fairly inspiring. Like you, you go from where he was as far as just, oh God, this guy's no no real future in Vince's company to what he achieved. Like definitely inspiring. Oh, hundred percent. And you like we're gonna talk about his world heavyweight championship reign in a second. But you look at you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan, and the reason why he got to that world heavyweight championship spot was because he was kind of like an Owen Hart, a guy that could have a good match with anybody. And and wrestling and WWE is always gonna need that. Like that's kind of what Dolph Ziggler is now. I might piss a lot of people off, but Dolph Ziggler, realistically, they keep him around because he makes people look better than they are. And that's kind of what Daniel Bryan is. Daniel Bryan he made Roman Reigns look like a million bucks when Roman Reigns wasn't that good in the ring before he was the guy that he is now. Daniel Bryan makes people look good, and that's how he got that spot. That's how he got to the World Heavyweight Championship in 2011. And the, winning the World Heavyweight Championship in 2011, that's like winning the United States Championship now. That title was yeah. so irrelevant. Yeah. You know, That was like the title that CM Punk held and didn't even lose in a match. That's the title quickly, that Jack Swagger killed. Go ahead. About, about the World Heavyweight title, really quickly here, just to segue into the next question, when do you think the world heavyweight title fell off a cliff? Because when Batista, yeah, yeah. I was going to say like Batista, Undertaker and Edge in like 2007, 2008, like trading the title. And then after that, it just fell off a cliff and went into a tailspin. So yeah. Wait yeah, J- Jack Swagger. It's all Jack Swagger. In, 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 to keep it short and sweet, the, that, that dude, they put the belt on him. And like, I can't even really describe it. You had to be watching at the time. I, I can't really yeah. describe it. I can't do it yeah, justice. So, yeah, but that being said, Daniel Bryan wins Money in the Bank, the SmackDown one in 2011 in Chicago. Money and great, great match that one. Then he's holding the briefcase, and he catches in a TLC on the Big Show. Um, thoughts on that? Just yeah. Well, first of all, how irrelevant is how irrelevant is that Money in the Bank instantly? Because you have two Money in the Bank ladder matches. That's like as watered down as you could possibly get. Like. First, uh, you know, right? Like, don't you think it's overkill? Oh, you're definitely overkill. I mean, 2010, they had three Money in the Bank matches. Remember WrestleMania and two at oh, Money yeah. in the Bank. Right. Exactly. So that, WWE, yeah, they've yeah. done everything they can to kill Money in the Bank. But yeah, go on, go on. Exactly. They're like, so first of all, so second, so first of all, it's a dead Money in the Bank. Nobody really cares that Daniel Bryan has the briefcase. Second thing, it's a dead belt. Third thing, it's the big show. How are, how is anyone supposed to suspend disbelief? When you have Daniel Bryan cashing in on the big show. And Mark Henry was in the match too, I believe, right? That's yeah, I just want to, we'll talk about like the rain itself. Now that whole rain was terrible. Like people are probably gonna be like, oh, it was, it was underrated. Look at look at all the great matches he had. But look, I'm just gonna quickly run over the rain and then I'll let, I'll get your thoughts on it, Kevin. His rain, he cashed in on Big Show at TLC. Then we got an amazing match on SmackDown to open 20, 2012, I believe. Daniel Bryan and Big Show. And this was the match where Big Show 
was chasing Brian around ringside because Brian's a pipsqueak, like a heel who can't do anything. And Big Show shoulder charges AJ Lee about 15 feet. She goes flying and AJ Lee nearly gets murdered. So that, that happened. Then the Royal Rumble, they do a steel cage triple threat match. Mark Henry, Big Show, and Brian. Somehow Brian wins there. Then the Elimination Chamber, we get Santino Morella doing Rocky Balboa training things, punching pieces of meat and running upstairs, raising his hands. <laughs> and then Santino comes in half a second of beating Brian and winning the world title. <laughs> and then we get to WrestleMania, open the show, Sheamus comes in, beats him in 18 seconds. That was Brian's reign. What are your thoughts, Kevin? <laughs> it was a shit show. It was a shit show. What, how else can you describe it? I, I think Daniel Bryan would tell you it was a shit show if he was on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, like uh, I'll read you the competitors in that Elimination Chamber match. It's oh. Big Show, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> Great Khali, <laughs> Santino Morella, and Wade Barrett. This is this Cody Rhodes, everybody's favorite wrestler now in 2021. This is like... Like this belt means nothing. This is war. This means this belt means less than the United States title does now. The United States title is with the hurt business. It's cool. It's relevant. It, wow. It, it's just it, wow. you have you have constant inter- like obviously Daniel Bryan can't beat the Big Show. Obviously, like they have. Why would you even book the match if you're gonna book? If you like, it doesn't make sense. You have all this interference. It was like yeah. what Mark Henry wasn't there one where Big Show attacked AJ Lee in one of the matches and that's how brian won because aj lee like sacrificed herself for him or something like basically aj was the best part of the whole reign like that's so sad <laughs> yeah it's it's brutal it, it was brutal it, it, it was tough like and then you had heel brian it, it was i don't know it was just weird bro heel brian with yeah. aj lee and big show and mark henry it's the most like the weirdest cluster that you could possibly yeah. put on a main event scene i'm just i'm just thinking about those those competitors in the chamber like that is literally the the WWE superstars crew yeah like Carl Lee Cody Rhodes in 2012 I know people nowadays are gonna say oh God, he was such an underrated superstar but back then no just stop it Brian Big uh, Carl like what is that so yeah Brian loses the belt in 18 seconds at Wrestlemania we'll move on to that now I'll get your thoughts on this first Kevin was the 18 seconds thing at Wrestlemania 28 a burial and do wrestling fans overuse the term burial oh it was totally a burial daniel bryan didn't go on to main event wrestlemania have a you know have a match with brock lesnar at survivor series have a five-star match with aj styles on smackdown none of that stuff happened he got buried by sheamus but 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 kevin he he lost in 18 seconds man he lost in 18 (laughs) seconds that's a burial they they, they tried to end his career kevin they buried him mate (laughs) yeah i i agree they buried him we never heard of Daniel yeah. Bryan again. He's not. Who is Daniel Bryan? He's gone. Yeah, Bryan was Bryan was back on Superstars every week for the next you know two months before he go, goes release. He got yeah. handed his resignation papers and he had to leave. Like, come on. Yeah, he got he got the shovel, pal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I'll give you a little tidbit into this. Uh, I was watching WrestleMania live with my parents, and my dad doesn't watch wrestling at all. We're watching this, and my dad is like, "Okay, why is this little this little guy in the ring with with this big Irishman?" First of all, and I'm like, "I don't I don't really know, Dad. I don't know what they're gonna do here." And then he, the match ends in whatever 18 seconds, and my dad is like, "Wow, I just wasted 60 bucks on this show. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, like what, what? What? Why did I buy WrestleMania? Like, like because you know this was John Cena and The Rock in the main event, yeah. Triple H and Undertaker. Everybody, this was a this was the maybe one of the last must see WrestleManias. What do you think about it? Yeah, for sure." So yeah. he was like, I don't even want to watch the rest of the show now. What is this crap? You know, that, not oh, to man. say it was a burial, but it's like, why would you book it? It just, 
it doesn't make sense to have an 18 second match on WrestleMania. That is that didn't bury Daniel Bryan. That buried the World Heavyweight Championship, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, as you said, that that title was already dead and buried after like 2009, 2010, and then you get to that where the the big World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania 28 goes 18 seconds. Just pathetic. So yeah, Bryan drops the title. I don't. There's much more we can really talk about there. It was. It was as blatant of a, like a burial of sorts at the time as you could get, but in the totality of Brian's career, that wasn't a burial. Like he wasn't buried at all. So that was that. Briefly, I'll talk like so had, Brian at this time from here. Actually, do you want to get anything else in about eighteen seconds? No, there's nothing left to say. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, moving on. Brian, he gets into this we this weird storyline. So it's Brian and AJ Lee. We have Brian feuding with CM Punk. They're having WWE Championship matches, Brian vs. Punk, this like indie dream match. And then that's co-main eventing below John Laryngitis vs. <laughs> Cena. We have Brian versus Kane versus Punk for the title. They're fighting over AJ Lee more than they're fighting over the title. And then that's co-main eventing below wait, wait, wasn't Cena this versus when, uh, Big When Show. AJ Lee decided that she oh. loved Kane, right? That, that was... Yeah, when AJ Lee was jumping on Kane <laughs> each week on Raw. And it's like, it's, like this is... Ugh. And AJ Lee was the raw GM and that kind of stuff. Brian was just being like, you know, a simp, basically. Like Brian's character is what Johnny Gargano is in 2020, just a simp. So, <laughs> and then, so, so you're saying there's hope for Johnny Gargano to main event at WrestleMania, pal? Oh, oh Gargano versus Colson main event WrestleMania 40. That would get ratings, pal. Five million viewers all over again. Um, uh, we, we'll, call it, we'll call it Batista. Batista, you got to tap to Johnny Gargano, pal. Yeah, Batista's just going to come in for two months and storm out and rage again. <laughs> But yeah, no, nah, so we, we go through all that. Then finally we get to Team Hell No, something that's at least genuinely entertaining. Brian yep. and Kane. I'll let you talk about Team Hell No for a bit here, Kevin. Personally, I loved it. What are your thoughts? I loved it too. This is really, this is where I became a fan of Daniel Bryan, honestly. Like I, I was more in tune watching wrestling every week at this point. And I just, I really thought it was good character work. Like that's what, that's what I like in pro wrestling is when you have an intriguing story, like Think about it in 2020. If Team Hell No happened in 2020, they would have put Daniel Bryan and Kane back together for, together for no reason, and they would have fought the Street Profits for like 17, 17 pay-per-views in a row if that happened <laughs> in 2020. True. It's true. So true. Exactly. Oh, now, wow. but in 2012, you have these very, like, for, for PG, this was like pushing the envelope, these segments, where you're having Daniel Bryan and Kane talking to a therapist. Kane is talking about Katie Vick and how that made him feel. if you've never seen it i implore you to go watch some of these segments they're they're pretty they're pretty legendary segments for 2012 monday night raw i I would say they're they're damn good segments like 2012 like creatively that's this is like the very beginning of the three hour roars these segments would be easily the best thing on the show like because this was at the time when cm punk was kicking jerry lawler in the head like that that was this time period so you have these team hell no like segments you've got dr shelby doing this really hammed up, this kind of corny, over-the-top therapist-type gimmick. And you've got Brian and Kane, they're having these hilarious interactions. You've got these like um, these generic actors around there doing these you know, shocked reactions. And you have Brian and Kane creatively building up their tag team, building up their chemistry, so to speak, through doing creative stuff in like an anger management session. Like I thought it was brilliant. Like You go, go and watch them back, and you can see the character work there. You can see that some thought and effort went into it. It wasn't just, oh, well, Bruce, we need a Monday Night Raw segment for when the show starts in five minutes. What can we do? Oh, we'll do Montez <laughs> Ford versus Kane. 
it's not like that. It's actually, it's creative. It's thoughtful. Like, it's just brilliant. Yeah, this is really what put Daniel Bryan on the map, honestly. Like, when you think about it, because it, this is what got over the yes chance and the no chance. Because people used to used to chant yes, and Brian would chant no in the middle of the matches. Kane would get mad and like start yelling at Brian, and Brian would yell at Kane, and then they would hug. Yeah. And it was like it was pretty good character work. It's Kane, one of the greatest legends of all time, and he really helped make Daniel Bryan. It, it was a pretty good era for them. And they, they on top of that, they had the matches, pal. They had the the Shields yeah. debut match with Team oh, Nova versus Randy Orton. Phenomenal. Yeah, one of the best debut matches of all time. Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, and Ambrose really carried that match. What, yeah. what, what more can you say about these guys? One of the most legendary tag team runs of the 2010s decade was Team Hell No, bar none. Yeah. Like, I wish they'd do more stuff like this with, like, Team Hell No, because, like, the whole thing I take away from, like, the Dr. Shelby segments and just them as a tag team, there was two characters interacting in an entertaining way which made you want to see their segment and want to see the show. These aren't just random part-time guys. These were guys who were full-timers getting good character development and creative segments. That's something we pretty much never see nowadays. Nowadays, as I said, you mentioned it before, if Team Hell No reunited, we'd get any, any variation of Daniel Bryan versus Montez Ford. We'd get Kane versus Dawkins, Kane versus Ford, Bryan versus Dawkins, Street Profits, Team Hell No, everywhere. That's what we get. The, the, don't forget the classic where they would have two tag team title matches on Monday Night Raw in consecutive weeks, and then have another random, and then have another just normal tag team match on the pay per view for the titles. So don't forget that creative. So yeah, so they have all these matches. We get Team Hell No against like the Road Scholars, and Team Hell No against you know the the, you know, the Shield with Ryback, and all those matches are really good. Brian by this point is really putting over the Shield, especially like the amount of six man tags against the Shield that Brian was a part of, really good. So yeah, Team Hell No. Moving past WrestleMania 29 now, we're into 2013. Do you want to talk about the Yes Movement? I think I think it's uh it's about yeah it's about time that we get to it yeah let's do it. Yeah, so I'll start us. Off. I'll just ask this question to you, Kevin. How badly did WWE butcher the Yes Movement? Oh God, how how long do we have on this podcast <laughs> to, to, um, to go into long detail? It, I'm, if, I'm down. Yeah, go on. If you look at it through a scope and you just look at what happened at WrestleMania 30 with 30,000 with 70,000 people chanting yes and Daniel Bryan holding both belts then the yes movement was a success but if you go yeah. back to SummerSlam think about this i'm going to put this into perspective for for a lot of you how many times did John Cena lose clean in from 2005 to 2013 not a lot he did not lose clean to very hardly many ever. people hardly ever like that was super Cena, Kevin that was he never lost like ever so, so we get to this match with John Cena and Daniel Bryan. Like, so over the summer, Team Hell No breaks up. Daniel Bryan turns babyface. The Yes Chance are going crazy now, and John Cena comes out, cuts his promo, like, "I want to face Daniel Bryan. I want to prove that I can wrestle." Whatever he said, and they have this yeah. match for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. Daniel Bryan beats him clean. You would think that that's enough to 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 like have this Yes movement. Why it's just it's the shock value of having Randy Orton cash in. I might be going fast forwarding a little bit, but the yeah. having Randy Orton cash in, like after Randy Orton, the only time he's on TV is when he's backstage with Kane and Daniel Bryan talking about Barney the dinosaur. Like that's the only TV time yeah, he's like, getting. It didn't make any sense. Because Randy Orton at that time period was doing nothing. Like I, I'll throw this out to you guys, like listening to this, watching the you know video and whatnot. Randy Orton, before winning Money in the Bank in like what July 2013, 
what was Auden doing? Like, I'm, I was trying to think. Auden was involved in random shield six-man tags. Auden had a feud with like Del Rio in like end of 2012. Like, no one remembers that. And then Auden was feuding with like Kane a year and a half prior. Like, Auden was involved in nothing. And then as you'll, you know, I'll let you go on here with Randy Orton, Kevin. So before I get into that, though, I, I want to harp on this John Cena thing for a second. John Cena hadn't lost clean. He lost to Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. I think that was like, aside from The Rock, which doesn't count. Yeah. That was like the last time Cena lost clean. Realistically, that's all you need to make Daniel Bryan. You don't need a, a, a feud with Triple H and a feud with, with, um, with Randy Orton. You don't need it. Daniel Bryan should have beat John Cena and should have held the title until WrestleMania. Realistically, we'll talk about that, though. But yeah, yeah let's talk about Randy Orton some more. I, I love talking yeah. about Randy Orton, my favorite wrestler, you know? <laughs> right. Randy Orton, like, I'll talk about, so yeah, we talked about him winning the title from Cena at SummerSlam. Cena, as you say, literally, he be- this is the same Cena who beat Brock Lesnar in an Extreme Rules match a year prior. This, this is the Cena who everyone hated. He wouldn't lose, never lost clean, wouldn't put anyone over. Brian beats him at SummerSlam, becomes champion. Then Randy Orton slowly makes his way down to the ring, coils himself up, RKO, wins the title. Then we proceed to get Brian. Oh, hold Orton. on. Let, let me say something. Yeah. If, oh, if you want to say Daniel Bryan got buried, you could, you could say it if you want. Triple H pedigrees him and stares at Randy Orton for, what, like five minutes? And Daniel yeah. Bryan's just laying there like, oh, I, I pedigree, I'm dead. Oh, my God. And and Orton just like walks around him and pins him, and I'm like, bro, like I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even like when I saw that live. I wasn't like, oh my god, Daniel Bryan got screwed. I was like, are you fucking kidding me again with Randy Orton? How many times has this guy won the title? Like, what what more does WWE need to see? This guy is not a draw. Like, what more do they need to see? I don't understand why another Randy Orton reign. Like, I was just like, bro, this guy beat John Cena, and you're gonna kill all that momentum in the same night within five minutes. You kill all the momentum of getting a clean win over a babyface John Cena, the biggest star in the company. You just kill that oh. with Randy Orton. It doesn't. It didn't make sense. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's the same Brian who kicked out of I don't know what two AAs during that match. Kicked out of all of Cena's big moves. The you know, the, the offensive arsenal that had won Cena every match for eight years. Brian kicks out of all of it, but a pedigree from Triple H keeps him down for five minutes. Just ridiculous. Made man. no sense. But anyway, WWE proceeded with Daniel Bryan to run the gauntlet of bad booking. So we have Clash of Champions 2013, where crook referee, paid off referee, Scott Armstrong, screws Brian out of the title when Brian was clearly better than Randy Orton. Then at Battleground, the pay-per-view, I'm sure you all love to remember, we had Big Show run down there, KO everyone, and that's how the show ended. And then Hell in a Cell, <laughs> Hell in a Cell, we had Michaels as the referee, but Michaels, of course, was a crook referee. And then Michaels just super kicks Brian and Orton wins. So I'll, I'll throw this over you in a minute. I just want to say, what that does there is establish for three straight pay-per-views that Daniel Bryan, this five foot seven, like, you know, doughy muffin top midget, is by far better than Randy Orton, but he doesn't have the title. He's, he's lost most of his momentum. You've had Scott Armstrong, Big Show, Crook, Shawn Michaels, all screw him over. So, so some of the dumbest booking I've seen, like, what, what were your thoughts on that, Kevin? Well, my, my thoughts was, this is WWE doing this to piss the hardcore fans off. At, at this point, I wasn't enshrined in the IWC, but I knew what was going on, and I saw what people were saying. I was watching the YouTube videos of people screaming about Daniel Bryan losing, and I was just like, it's not, like, it's not, like, why, why would you, why would you do that? Like, like, where the, Shawn Michaels 
um, not Shawn, yeah, Shawn Michaels like, oh, uh, the next night on Raw, Daniel Bryan wins the title at Hell in a Cell. The next night on Raw, Shawn Michaels like, no, you didn't, and they make him give the belt back just to piss off the internet fans. Like, you're sacrificing telling a good story to piss people off. I, I don't know, maybe in a nutshell, it accomplished what they wanted, but when you think back at it and you and you look at it, you're like, the original plan for WrestleMania was Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus in a one-on-one <laughs> match. Why are you doing all this then? Why is Daniel Bryan even in the main event scene if that was your original plan? What are you trying to accomplish? That there was yeah. truth be told, there was no yes movement from a creative perspective. Vince and Triple H were on like, oh, the yes movement, pal. That's where we're going from SummerSlam to WrestleMania. We're going with the yes movement. No, that wasn't the case. The yes movement happened because people made it happen. The internet fans yeah. made it happen. Yeah. So with that being said, before we get into WrestleMania 30 and that kind of stuff, I just want to ask you. How do you think, in hindsight, WWE should have gone about booking the Yes Movement? Because I know you definitely have another way of doing it. Well, what I would have done, in in short, is Brian wins the title at, at SummerSlam, and he cap- you have him capitalize on the fact that he just beat the biggest wrestling superstar since The Rock in John Cena. And, you know, like the smart thing you would do, right? Like, I think most people would agree. I know you have a different perspective, but... Mm. you know yeah. he beat john cena why uh, i'm not i'm gonna stop going on about that yeah so he, he then you have him beat randy orton at the next three or four pay-per-views whatever you want to do you have him go into the royal rumble he wrestles whoever dolph ziggler he wrestles dolph ziggler at the royal rumble for fuck's sake whoever. Well, what a match five star classic seven in the tokyo dome oh my god crisp work right go on <laughs> yeah then then he he goes into the elimination chamber whatever you know, Batista beats the hell out of him at the Elimination Chamber. It's just like, look at this little pipsqueak, you know. And But but Daniel Bryan escapes with the title somehow. And we get Batista versus Bryan at WrestleMania. Main event. People are so behind Daniel Bryan. Batista is this monster heel because... Wait, wait, before... before I, sorry, cut you off. Before you get to that, I just want to say, with that situation, week in, week out, from SummerSlam 2013 through then, you'd have Daniel Bryan coming out there doing the yes champ at the title in the face of Triple H and Stephanie. Orton's all pissed off. Orton can't beat him. Triple H is getting pissed off. The crowd's loving this. Yes chance, yes chance. Then they bring in Batista, bring Batista from Hollywood to, you know, have the match with Brian. So go on. Oh, you just gave me an idea. Scratch what I was about to say. I'm going to change. I'm going to book this on a fly, pal. So the Elimination Chamber, Batista beats the hell out of Brian. Batista takes the belt. Does whatever he does at WrestleMania 30. Brian loses the belt, and Triple H is like, you know what? I'm gonna put an end to this yes movement. And then you get Brian versus Triple H, the same match they had at WrestleMania, but without without the title, whole title ramifications. Brian beats Triple H, he beats the Authority, and that's it. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the yes movement. He triumphs. Yeah, that's it. That's all. Yeah, you like need. also one one thing I've like I'm gonna throw out kind of two different things. This this first one's kind of brief, but. Really, they never should have unified the titles. There, there was no need to have Cena, Orton, the match of all matches at <laughs> TLC 2013. It, it was just crap. So you take the WWE title and the World Heavyweight title, what you could have done is do this whole Daniel Bryan thing, yes movement with the WWE title. Then you could have done Brock versus Batista for the World Heavyweight title. Something like that, you know? Something that genuinely captivates. You don't have to waste both championship belts on Randy Orton holding them for like six months. Like that was just, that was garbage. So that's the first thing, but really the scenario I would have done, well, this is just one of them. Like your one would have been cool. This one, what about this? So at SummerSlam 2013, Cena does his heel turn. He destroys Daniel Bryan. 
basically picture SummerSlam 2014 where Brock just murdered and massacred Cena for like 15 minutes. Cena does that to Brian. So the IWC has an absolute conniption. Cena's a heel, comes out wearing suits. He's with the authority, you know, shaking hands with Triple H, shaking hands with Stephanie. Brian gets put on the shelf for a while. Then Brian, we see these vignettes of him scratching and clawing. He fights his way back and then wins the Rumble match in 2014. You know, he's gone anti-authority, doing the yes chant in the authority's face. Cena, he's burying everybody. You can't see me, boy. Beating everyone in five minutes, retaining the title. You get to WrestleMania 30. Brian beats Cena. This amazing moment. Brian's a champion. That's not a bad idea, I don't think. That is, I mean, that's a great scenario. You know, the way I looked at it, I was looking at what happened in real life and kind of creating a different spin. But if you know if, if you're gonna if you're looking at it where you're gonna have John Cena keep the title at SummerSlam 2013, there is no better way to do it. That would have been a great payoff to the Yes Movement too. But you have it would have been so joked. You have, you have Cena as like a heel wearing like suits or something. Him him and Triple H come out making jokes about you know golden shovels and burying people's nation. It would have been hilarious. And Brian <laughs> would be off TV. And then when Brian comes back, he's doing the Yes chant and he's rallying the crowd. The Yes Movement's going strong. It would have been fantastic. But instead, as we mentioned, Brian has three matches with Randy Orton that end in screw jobs. He's in the White family. Then he's not in the White family. And then he's not in the Rumble match. And then he's supposed to fight Sheamus. Then it, it was just a mess, Kevin. It was a mess. Yeah, it really was. That, that just shows you that WWE had no long-term plan for Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement. Okay, Thanks. so now we got to talk about... Um, your favorite. Your favorite. Yeah, Randy no, no, Orton. no. Before we go to Randy Orton, let's talk about the yeah. Royal Rumble briefly. Because I don't think... We, I don't, oh, God. We got to talk oh, about okay. the Royal Rumble. Because this is really, like, the height of the Daniel Bryan BS. Like, the Royal Rumble 2014, he has a match with Bray Wyatt. Everybody's mad. Like, oh, Bryan's not in the Rumble. But he's... But don't worry. He'll be a surprise entrant. Yeah. And what I what I didn't like about the Royal Rumble, not the fact that Bryan wasn't in the match. I didn't like how predictable it was. They kept running these vignettes every single week for Batista. You know, like with Batista, the clock counts down, Batista comes out. And it was like, okay, you know Batista's going to win the Royal Rumble. Like, why Why would I even want to watch the pay-per-view if that's the case? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was I was upset about the predictability. I was like, all right, let's just get to it. But then it, the Royal Rumble itself, the match itself became such a shit show. I remember Dolph Ziggler came out, the crowd erupts, the screaming, we want Ziggler. Then Ambrose comes out, the crowd erupts. The crowd's chanting for Rollins. They're chanting for whoever. Cody Rhodes. They're cheering for whoever. Just because Wasn't they that, don't want yeah. Batista to win. Go ahead. Yeah, that was the year, yeah, that was the, the year Reigns had the 12 eliminations. So they were trying to make Reigns look really, really strong, pal. So we're having Roman Reigns eliminating like everyone. And then the fans were begging, please, Roman Reigns. We want Roman Reigns. Please, Reigns. And then you get to the entrant number 30. And Booyaka Booyaka 619, Mysterio rushes out there. All the smarks in what Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, booing the guy out of the building. Boo, you suck, Ray. We wanted Brian. So this Hall of Fame iconic legend, Ray Mysterio, is getting booed as if he's the devil, all because Brian didn't come out. Like, come on. Exactly. And like, and and that's the funny thing too. Another funny thing too is the people wanted Roman Reigns to beat Batista just because they hated. They hated the idea of Batista main event in the Royal Rumble or the hypocrites, main, main event in WrestleMania. They're hypocrites. It, there's no consistency, no continuity. I want this guy now. No, I don't want this guy now. Like, come on. It's just, 
there's no, there's no there's no consistency with this. So yeah, Daniel Bryan. And, oh, and, isn't and in, another thing yeah. too, I want to add is oh. I'm a I'm a big Batista fan. Batista's in my top ten. I was waiting for Batista to come back for like four years, however long he'd been gone, and oh. I was so disappointed at the way they handled his return. I was like, really, like this is not Batista's not a white meat babyface in the PG era. It's not the way to go about his return. The PG era fans they don't want to see Batista as a babyface. This is not the same crowd that was watching in 2006. I wanted to see Big Bad heel the animal Batista. I didn't want to see yeah. White Me Babyface Batista. I didn't want to see it. And I wasn't like, oh my God, this sucks. But I was just disappointed. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, because uh, Batista, I think this was also, I remember watching his, um, what is this, WWE 24 special or something. But he's talking about how this Rumble match, he didn't even have his like ring gear, like the correct ring gear or something. Like, it was just, it was a debacle all around. So Batista wins it. The, the 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 show goes off the air with the crowd just booing as Batista's pointing at the sign, and then like also one other misconception that people say in hindsight, oh well Batista was a part timer. No, he wasn't. He was working house shows for months first Del Rio. Batista was fully like locked in. He was gonna do. He was gonna wrestle for 2014 into 2015 before going back to Hollywood. Instead, you know the outrage, the complaining, the you know pissant moaning from these fans drove away Dave Batista from WWE. Yeah, shame on you for shame on you people for driving away Batista, man. Batista's like one of the last few legitimate superstars that pro wrestling has created. Shame on you people, man, for driving Batista away, bro. Like, come on. Batista's yes, awesome, man. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So speaking of Batista, he was supposed to face Randy Orton in the main event of WrestleMania that year. Ah, here we go. Now, I want to talk about Randy Orton because Randy Orton's a big part of this whole yes movement. We talked about his matches with Brian. Really, when it comes to Randy Orton, Kevin, I'll ask you this question because, as we all know, you're a giant Randy Orton stan. I just want to ask this question. Did the S movement prove that Randy Orton is incapable of being like a truly compelling like WrestleMania main event tier like world champion? I, I mean, the WrestleMania main event at t- WrestleMania 25 proved it. What more did you need yeah. to know? This guy kissed Stephanie McMahon in one of the hottest angles of, of, that, of that era. And it's like, like he couldn't even capitalize on that and have a compelling main event. He had, he kissed Triple H's wife for God's sake, and the two had a terrible match. If that didn't tell you that Randy Orton was a main event worthy, what will? Five years later, what did he do from that main event in two thousand nine? What did he do in those last five years that warranted him being in the main event at WrestleMania thirty? Nothing. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Nothing. I'm trying to think. Oh, he had, a, he had a great match with Wade Barrett on SmackDown in 2011. <laughs> like, it did, like, what did Randy Orton do? I, I, oh, he had a great match. Well, he, he had the Cena feud in 2009 where every every week Cena and Orton would trade the title just to get their reins up to get close to 16. They yeah. did that. They really, like, that was Randy super Orton. bald snake Randy Orton. He He's yeah, was- not a compelling guy. He's not. And the Yes movement exposed it. Yes, it did. Because... Nobody wanted to see Batista come back and beat Randy Orton. Randy Orton's not a good foil. He's not that good of a heel. He's not like a Triple H. People hate to say it, but Triple H is top five heel of all time. You know, he's. But Randy Orton's not on that level. I forgot where I was going. Go ahead. Lost my train. Yeah, so basically, Randy Orton. I mean, I I tweeted this at you today, but yeah, Randy Orton, he comes out, the main event of WrestleMania 30. This is the cataclysmic. End of the yes movement. Daniel Bryan, he's scratched and clawed he, with one shoulder. The crook referees, beaten Triple H, he's made it to the main event. Randy Orton comes out there with both the world heavyweight and WWE titles with his you know, band playing his song. Orton just slowly walks down there. And as I was watching that back today, I was just thinking to myself, this was the payoff to the yes movement. 
Randy Orton with two championships, cutting boring promos, hiding behind Triple H. Like, th- that was the S move. Like, bro. Bro, this is it. And, and like I said, Randy Orton, you look at the guy, Randy Orton should be one of the, he should be one of the top 10 wrestlers to ever step foot in the ring. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. Whatever it is. And this WrestleMania main event, it's a stain on his legacy, in my opinion. It really is. Yeah. Like, like you think back to that WrestleMania 30 main event. What do you remember? I remember Randy Orton tried to RKO, was it Brian? They did the RKO Batista, um, Batista bomb, like, spot to Brian on the table or whatever. And Randy Orton, his back jammed into a monitor and Orton nearly broke his spine. Like, I remember that. And yeah. I remember Triple H and Stephanie running out there with Scott Armstrong again. Like, that's... That's why I remember outside of Brian doing the big yes chant is this it's emotional moment with Connor and all this type of stuff. But really that was WrestleMania 30. I agree. You yeah, agree? that was it. I, I, I remember I remember too Brian Brian doing the the entrance. His entrance for the main event was unbelievable. Like well, let, let, let's talk about the match for a second though. We gotta talk about it. Yeah. The, so he has this or let, let's talk about this segment first, I should say. For yeah. for a couple of weeks, he's begging Triple H like, "Oh, fight me at WrestleMania!" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fight me at WrestleMania, and then Jim Ross goes on his freaking podcast, and Jim Ross is like, "Guys, this is where this story is going. Daniel Bryan's gonna face Triple H, and then have a triple threat match at WrestleMania." So I was like, oh, "Okay, that seems like why? What? Okay." But I was like, oh, "This is Jim Ross. He's crazy." And then like one week, <laughs> Daniel Bryan's like, "We're gonna hijack Raw," and a bunch of fans oh. with the Daniel Bryan Yes Movement shirts come out. And they're screaming yes. It was one of the most forced segments. Now, I'm saying this as a Daniel Bryan fan. That segment was so forced. It, it was so unorganic. Um, and then Daniel Bryan's like, you want to fight? You want to fight me at WrestleMania? I mean, not Daniel Bryan. Triple H. You want to fight me? I can't do Triple H's voice. You, can you do it? Uh, oh, I'm sick and tired of all this stupid indie crap. I'm tired of your fantasy crap. It's like Triple H like yelling. Stephanie's like screaming. I'm not even going to try and impersonate Stephanie's screaming because your ears would bleed. But... <laughs> They're literally screaming. They're saying that for like 10 minutes yelling. You got indie wrestlers. You got indie wrestlers holding it back. This is my father's ring. As these like (laughs) a bunch of randoms they picked off the street are just in the ring going, well, what do we do? We're just standing here. Hmm? Like that that was the segment. And really, I want to just quickly say one other thing before I throw back over you. I really feel like, obviously, as we mentioned, Brian vs. Sheamus was the plan for WrestleMania. Really, I feel like the moment where Brian got that opportunity was when CM Punk was in his exit meeting, we'll call it, the night after the Rumble. And Punk said, this is clearly Brian's year. You are blind for not seeing it. I'm literally leaving because of how bad your creative is. Push him. And then WWE took it upon themselves through the CM Punk chance every two seconds, through the yes chance in every segment. WWE finally, they finally listened, damn it. And then they, they gave Brian the spot. Yeah, and it shouldn't have gone down that way. It should have been one of the two ways that we presented. You know, it shouldn't have gone down that way where it's like people are just complaining and bitching and bitching until they get what they want. And that falls on the fans, yes, but that also falls on the on the creative in WWE, and that falls on on Randy Orton not being not being a compelling enough superstar, and it falls on the miscast of Batista. Batista was miscast from the beginning of his return. Everything was a shit show, and the fans get the blunt of the blame. And yes, they fans act entitled. I'm not. I'm not giving them a pass, but they get the blunt of the blame, and it's not all their fault. You know, it's not. It's not yeah. all their fault. Um, yeah. Now, I think I'll ask about the chant itself because the yes chant. Many people, in hindsight, 
especially in like the IWC, like the real hardcore fans, they like to look back on it as though the Yes chant, when Bryant, when we had 15,000 people in every arena doing the Yes chant in unison, people like to look back on that and say that that was everyone rallying behind Daniel Bryan. Everyone was a Bryan fan in 2014 at the beginning of the year. But I'm calling BS because that's quite simply not the case. I've always stuck by the fact that the Yes chant is so easy to do. It's so fun that anyone can do it. And that's by and large what made it you know, get over so well. So with, with that said, I'll throw this over to you, Kevin. Do you think the Yes chant got over so well because it's an effortless chant to do or because literally everyone who went to a WWE show had a genuine love for Daniel Bryan and wanted him to be a main eventer? It's a mix of both. There was the people that really loved Daniel Bryan and they were going to chant yes no matter what. Because this was also, keep in mind, this was the era where WWE's running commercials on Raw basically telling fans to do and say whatever they want. Do you remember those commercials? Yeah. Yeah. So I you mean, got that. Yeah. So people are going to go like, oh, I'm going to the show. I'm going to chant yes, damn it, no matter what. <laughs> you know? And then you have yeah. like the sports center moments of, of people at soccer stadiums and baseball stadiums doing the yes chant. So the yes chant really was a part of pop culture at that time, too, because of Daniel yeah. Bryan. So it was, a, it was a mix of both. It was people like, oh, yeah. that's the chant people were doing at the soccer game. I'm going to join in too. It was, it was fun. It's like the Ole Ole yeah. chant. It's just, it's fun. It's fun to do. Yeah, it's just an easy thing to do. Like, you, you, you're a random, I don't know, you're some random Karen takes their eight year old son to a WWE show just to give them something to do. They go along there and there's this yes chant. It, it's easy to join in. It's something you can easily do. You don't have to know the history of Brian Danielson to really get involved in the chant, you know? Exactly. <clears throat> and then uh, we got to talk about WrestleMania 30. Just, just for a quick second, I got to talk about something else. Yeah. The, I don't want to gloss over this. I want We got to say the match with that Daniel Bryan had with Triple H, I think is one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. Uh, I yeah, think, best opener. Yep. Yeah, maybe the best opener ever with, with Bret and Owens as a contender. Uh, yep. tri- arguably Triple H's best match at WrestleMania. Either that or his match with Taker, the Hell in a Cell. Yep. One of his best. Like Bryan really... Brian really brought out the best in Triple H. Triple H's entrance, one of the best WrestleMania entrances of all time. It was the introduction of Charlotte Flair. Was it Sasha and Alexa Bliss? Yep. There yep. was a lot of good stuff that did come out of WrestleMania. It was one of the greatest entrances of all time from Triple H. One of the greatest matches of all time. And one of the best triple threat matches of all time. Say what you will about it from a, psych- from a psychology standpoint. Daniel Bryan with a bum shoulder beats Batista and Randy Orton in one night. But they booked it pretty well. You know, Daniel Bryan was out of yeah. the match for the most part. You know, he got taken out on a stretcher. Batista and Orton kind of battled it out. And Bryan kind of took advantage and was the the opportunist. So, yeah, yeah I thought it was, a, it was a fun show. And it really, it was, it was, for what it was, it was pretty good. Just the way they got it, it there gave, was a mess. It gave WrestleMania 30 something. Like, yeah, the streak broke on that show. But really, like, if, if WrestleMania 30 was Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus, Batista versus Orton in the main event for the titles, like, that would have sucked. Like, that would have been on par with 29. So, in that regard, it gave WrestleMania 30 a big distinctive moment. The best moment of Bryan's career, I think that's irrefutable. How did WWE not do Batista versus Brock Lesnar? Because they're idiots, Kevin. That's the most obvious match to do. Like, you... Like, what? Like... Okay, I... so... Yeah, I think well, I think we covered 2014 enough. Basically, actually, no, we'll talk about Brian's his title reign. Basically, Brian wins the title and within about a month gets injured. Was a neck injury, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he injures his neck. He has this match with Kane and Extreme Rules, which is a fine match. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, oh my God, what a match. 
And then we get six weeks of Stephanie McMahon coming out saying, Daniel, surrender the titles already. And Brian's like, no, no, no. And then eventually he, he has to because he's you know, medically not cleared to compete. And, and I, I, I got to say, I, I was in the building for the for the Monday Night Raw in Miami where Stephanie McMahon got arrested. Um, oh, yeah, you talk about casuals doing the yes chant because it's fun to do. I mean, that was personified right there. I, I witnessed it live. I seen it with my own two eyes. So were, there were not a lot of Daniel Bryans in the building in Miami. It's, it's just not. It's just Miami's not a good wrestling city. So, yeah, yeah, there was just people having fun. And and I just like like the, the scene. I remember going to that show live. Like, what is this? It was like Chris Jericho wasn't there. So it was like a really horrible Bray Wyatt segment. I don't want to go on a tangent. Let, let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we've covered the Yes Movement in about as good detail as we can. Just overall, botched beyond belief, I think it's fair to say. Yep. I, I can't wait to talk about the Yep, the, the yep Movement. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Brian, he has the... Yeah, he takes like six months off with like the neck injury. Then we roll around. January 2015, Brian's back. Oh, yeah. my God. They're like, why... The booking again didn't make any sense. They have Daniel Bryan come out on Raw like, "Oh, I'm declaring for the Royal Rumble. I'm gonna win it this year." Yeah, it's just like, why put him in the match if you know you know people are gonna act out? Why put him in the match? It didn't make sense, bro. It didn't like, make sense. I remember, oh, like this is the time beginning of 2015. I was like vividly watching, like week in week out, actively watching what they were doing. This was the time when it was so clear that Reigns was gonna win the Rumble. He was yeah. the he was the guy that corporate wanted to win the Rumble. This was his time. He's going to face the unstoppable Brock Lesnar, who's coming off breaking the streak, murdering Cena in the triple threat match. Reigns versus Brock was what we were going to get. And then Brian comes back, and you have this guy who the fans unanimously are rallying behind. Oh, my God, Brian can win the Rumble. Brian versus Brock. David versus Goliath. And it's like they're creating a conflict of interest. It, it was... Yeah, Kevin, I can't even explain it. You, you, like, you're trying to book Roman Reigns as the top star, the guy of the now, but you already have the top star, the guy of the now, and Daniel Bryan. But realistically, yeah. like Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar after Daniel Bryan's coming off of concussions and a neck injury would not it would not have been good for Daniel Bryan. So it, like you know that you can't do the match because Daniel Bryan physically cannot wrestle Brock Lesnar. Why yeah. put him in the match? Why have why not have him return the night after the Royal Rumble? You know, it, yeah, well, like one, one, one other thing they could have done, just hypothetical fancy booking here. You keep Brian off TV for a few extra months, give him a bit more rehab, all that kind of stuff, get him some in-ring conditioning in. Then you get to WrestleMania 31, Brock versus Reigns main event. That way Reigns won the Rumble. There was no debate about it. It would have been predictable as hell, but there would have been no Brian backlash. Reigns wins the Rumble. You get to WrestleMania 31. It's Reigns against Brock. Then during that match, you can have Daniel Bryan's music hit. The crowd erupts. Brian rushes down, hits a running knee on Brock and leaves. The crowd is like, oh my God. Then Rollins rushes down and cashes in. Why there not do that? That way, you can, that way you can set the tone for Brian and Brock in a more logical way. Reigns gets his WrestleMania match. Rollins cashes in. Everything works. But instead, WWE, once again, went about in the worst way possible. Exactly. Exactly. And it was like... And, and that Royal Rumble, that 2015 Royal Rumble is going to go down in history. The infamous Royal Rumble. Oh. So the, another another situation where you have Cody Rose getting cheered. Oh, we want Cody to win because it's not Roman. We want Ziggler to win. We want Ambrose to win. We want this guy to win. And and then yeah. Roman wins, as we all know. I forgot who he eliminated last. Was it Sheamus or something? Sheamus and the um, Big Show? No, but basically, just sum it up quickly. It was... It was 
Big Show and Kane, they eliminated Ambrose like he was absolute trash. Ziggler, <laughs> um, they were tossing people out left and right. And then Rusev was like at ringside, but not eliminated. He was just out of there. And then The Rock runs down on his Big Show, Kane and Reigns. The Rock beats up Big Show and Kane. He does his spine buster and all that kind of stuff. Reigns eliminates Big Show and Kane. And then oh, Reigns is like Keep in mind, there. The Rock got booed. Yeah. The WWE managed to get The Rock booed. That that's that's, that's how that's toxic disgusting. this was, and it's there. It is partially their fault. Yeah, like I remember watching this Rumble match legitimately. Like I'm not allowed. I'm not exaggerating. I was legitimately feeling like sick watching it. You have this just impending sense of you know it's going to happen, and the crowd is just going to absolutely backlash against it. So as soon as Brian got eliminated at like 15 or whatever, you knew that the match was done. It was going to be 40 minutes of booing and just moaning and complaining. Of just you so talk awesome. about bad booking. You have the guy enter the match. The least they could have done was had him survive to the last two and had him and Roman like have like a Sean Undertaker like battle where maybe Daniel yeah. Bryan would have got maybe Roman would have earned the respect of some of the fans if he and Bryan would have had like a good 10 minute battle to end the rumble. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, once again, just to pretty much mention this, you could have had Bryan and Reigns as the final two. Brock Lesnar rushes out there, <clears throat> beats the crap out of Bryan and then Reigns eliminates him. That way you set up this Brian versus Lesnar thing eventually. Fans won't be as pissed off because there's actually a bit of a story there. But instead, Brian gets eliminated randomly by Bray Wyatt halfway through the match. And you're just left there thinking, oh, that's it. Reigns is just going to win. And he did. And that, and that the was the end of the match. That was it. There was nobody on Roman and Brian's level. So you knew Roman was going to win. That oh, was but, the end but, of the match. But, but, but Ziggler was the sole survivor at Survivor Series, man. Ziggler versus Brock for the world title would have been a great match, Kevin. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's just like like bro, like that match was a shit show, but you need to watch it. It's 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 like it's a lot like Brock versus Goldberg that we talked about last week. It's so bad that you have to see it. Like you talk about hijacking. I've never you've never seen anything like it since then. Oh, of a show oh, being hijacked a, like this. There were legitimate riots. Bad. People were legitimately rioting in the parking lot yeah, after the it, show. Yeah, like that's just that, that's pathetic. I'm just like, it's a wrestling program. Calm down. It's not. It's, it doesn't matter that much. Okay, this is this is a predetermined TV show. There are legitimately people dying of you know, things X, Y, and Z on planet Earth. People going through horrible situations in the third world and you know domestic situations. But you're rioting because a five foot seven bearded midget didn't win the Rumble match on WWE TV. Like, come on. And. And I'll give you a little tidbit too. I, I went on I went on YouTube after the show and I watched the Lexman's review. I, I did too. I did, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, this was like pre like good production. And he's like with a cheap ass webcam, sitting on his bed, just screaming, <laughs> just screaming <laughs> about Roman Reigns. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you, we can't let WWE force this shit down our throat. And I'm like, bro, why am I? And then I was like, why am I even watching this right now? Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I know the exact review you're talking about as well. Oh, man. It, it does the one. He had um the, the casual view or whatever. So this is kind of like casual dude just sitting there as he's just gone off his head. I'm like, oh, I'm, Daniel Bryan's being held down. This is not fair. But it's just like, bro. And that summed up the whole IWC. Twitter was an absolute rage. Hashtag canceled WWE Network started trending. Even though, despite the fact that was trending for two days, network subscriptions went up by like, by like 100,000 at that time. They hit over a million for the first time like a few days after the Rumble. So that whole thing where a bunch of smarks on Twitter were, were spamming the hashtag, that was a failure. A, a bunch of people that aren't even subscribed to the network. Yeah, a bunch of people have their New Japan World subscriptions and no WWE Network. 
these people spammed it and the subscriptions went up because Rain from Lesnar is a match people wanted to see, Kevin. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing to those people. Maybe if you stop watching the Royal Rumble on, on Reddit and subscribe to the network for your to see your precious Daniel Bryan, WWE would have booked him better, maybe. <laughs> Ever thought about that? But but but, but Kevin, all, all these people have their New Japan World subscriptions on their mom's credit card. What what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and I love Daniel anyway, Bryan. Not- I love Daniel Bryan, but for God's sake, I was a fan watching this. Like, why? You people are making a fool of yourself. Why are you booing The Rock? Why? Like, that was disgusting. Like, on, like, when I started booing The Rock, I was like, I, I hate this community. Like that, that was like the first moment where I was really like, I why am I a part of this? When they're they're, they're booing Dwayne Johnson because this this doughy bearded midget didn't win a match that we knew he wasn't going to win. Ridiculous. And and then the, the backlash afterwards, like Boston Smarks on the Smart Busters channel, like the 2015 Rumble edition. Oh, oh my god, amazing, <laughs> legendary. Yeah. Oh. So so you have the match, and then after the match, Roman is celebrating, pointing to the sign. You have the Rock out there. The Rock is just getting booed. The Rock, like like <sighs> WWE was like, oh well, here we'll put the Rock with them. They won't boo the Rock, and they're just booing, booing, <laughs> booing. This was the um. height. This was the height, like the apex of like toxic fans. Like I think a lot of those people now, like you said, they go yeah. watch the New, the New Japan World. Those people aren't watching WWE anymore. That were in that crowd that night at the Royal Rumble, they don't watch WWE anymore. Because because the thing with this is like Daniel Bryan for his time, like he this was before the real NXT influx began. Because yes, 2014 NXT arrival began. And it was like Neville, Sami Zayn, Tyson Kidd, and like who I don't know who else. The, that was NXT then. Bo Dallas, pal. Yeah, but uh, that was when Brian did his push. But then ever since then, the company's just been infiltrated with all those type of guys, you know, Zayn, Balor, et cetera, et cetera. Like now, pretty much everyone is of the Brian type mold outside of a select few. So it's a bit different. But at this time period, Brian was the like smart selected guy, alongside Ziggler, but Brian especially. So to see the reaction booing The Rock. It was Brian, Ziggler, and Cody Rhodes. Those were yeah. the three that everybody loved on the internet. It was like, oh, you want Cody Rhodes in the main event if we can't get Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. Like, you want to see Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar? I, I, I don't even think Cody would that. book that in AEW if Brock went to AEW. Yeah. Like, I remember people being legitimately, like, genuinely angry in 2013 when Damian Sandow pushed Cody off the ladder and Sandow <laughs> won money in the bank. And then a week later, they, they did some big, like, Cody Rhodes is becoming Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rhodes throws the briefcase into a river <laughs> oh god like, don't, don't remind me Jesus. anyway okay so that's that the 2015 rumble one of the hardest matches to sit through that i've ever seen in my life i think it's fair to say yeah like, th- yeah i remember watching that live and just oh. being like bro like why am i even watching <laughs> why am i even watching this uh, yeah so right, let's talk about good times let's talk about the match at fast lane with roman that, that was a damn oh. good match one of my favorite daniel bryan matches one of my favorite roman reigns matches while we're at it too yeah so i'll ask you just quickly with that because so we talked about reigns and brian a bit before I'll, we'll just i'll just get your take on this you feel like that match reigns versus brian did that really epitomize like a corporate guy so reigns against like a, a fans guy and brian like things fair to say yeah Hundred percent. Like that's that kind of yeah. heat in a match is what WWE is, uh, what WWE and wrestling is supposed to be about. That's what you want. You want people cheering for one guy and cheering for the other. That's what happens in boxing fights, right? Pe- some people like Conor McGregor, some people like Floyd Mayweather, and that's what makes it so damn good. Yeah. Like that's what you want. You want people one side cheering for Brian, one side cheering for Roman. It was a great match. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch that match. That's a really, that's a really damn good match. 
one of the last matches with true quote unquote heat that I could think of, yeah. at least in the last five years. Yeah, because most of the matches in the past five years have been they've been great matches, but as far as like genuine like this match had a genuine like we need to see this because Fast Lane 2015. I mean, Rusev and Cena had like a double count out on that show, and they did like a Rollins, Kane, and Big Show versus like Ryback and like Eric Rowan type match. But outside of that, the show sucked. But this match, Reigns and Bryan, was like the match. This was a one match show if I ever I saw one. It was a damn good match. The story they told, excellent. By the end of the match, when Reigns beat Daniel Bryan, they, Bryan does the big, I'm showing you respect. And that, that may have got a few of the, you know, the crazy people on side, but. Nonetheless, if they had done that at the Royal Rumble, they would have they would have um, just had if they would have done the same match at Fastlane, 10 minutes shorter at the end of the Royal Rumble, that would have saved everything, all the toxicity by, by Fastlane. It was too late for Daniel Bryan to show Roman respect. It, it was too late yeah. by that point. The damage had been done. And like, like you said, company guy versus the Internet guy. That's that's the epitome. That's that's it. That's yeah. the, uh, the epiphany or whatever. However you say it, whatever the hell the word is. I don't know. I'm fired up. Yeah. So. So now we talk about like WrestleMania 31. So Daniel Bryan, he comes back. We, we, we've covered now the Rumble and Fastlane. A lot of the fans wanted to see Bryan versus Lesnar, a David versus Goliath match. So Bryan coming off a six-month-long severe, serious neck injury, facing a Brock Lesnar who's broken the streak, murdered Cena, and then won the triple threat match at the Rumble. So people wanted that David versus Goliath match. And to that I say... How badly did fans want Daniel Bryan to become the next Chris Benoit? Oh, it was like, very, it's very scary. The parallels are very scary, honestly. Because I'll just in, interrupt here. This is the Brock Lesnar who his gimmick was Suplex City. His gimmick was he was going to get you and whip you onto your own neck. And people wanted to see that because they want Bryan killed for the sake of having a great match. Yeah, like, like it's just disgusting. You're, you're, and and you're, then I'll let you talk about this in a like you know go on detail in a moment. Instead, they put him in a ladder match? Like, bro. Yeah, exactly. And you're a fan of the guy, you know, Daniel Bryan, the hardcore Daniel Bryan fans, but you want to see him get killed by Brock Lesnar like that. Yeah, I guess you're a real fan. I don't know. Um, it would have been paralyzed. Like, I, people were like, oh, well, it would have been a great match. Bryan's neck was would have been shot with the, the way, like, Lesnar at the time, 2015 Lesnar was very different to 2018 Lesnar. Lesnar in 2018 wasn't as much Suplex City. In 2015, Lesnar was literally murdering Super Cena and those types, getting you and whipping you onto your neck. Brian would have been killed, like straight up. So, yeah, I don't know. Instead, yeah. he was in a ladder match. Hardly any any more safer, but... Yeah, this is what I was going to say before, when I lost my train of thought. WWE put Daniel Bryan in the main event scene. The guy's body could not hold up. He's in there getting beat up by Triple H, taking pedigrees, taking chair shots to the shoulder, and and look where he got him. He legitimately got hurt. A guy like Daniel Bryan is not supposed to be in the ring with guys like Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton. It's just over time, his body's going to break down. Same thing happened to CM Punk. So they tried him as a top guy. It didn't work. That's why they brought him down to the mid card. But then, like you said, they put him in the in a ladder match. Like If you're going to put him in, in a ladder match, where he's like he's on top of the ladder headbutting Ziggler like 20 times taking these ridiculous bumps off the ladder getting power bombed over the top rope whatever it was by Kevin Owens like why why not put him in there with Brock then the whole thing didn't make any sense it's just, oh, it, it, it's just it was it was just brutal. terrible and as you say you talked about there having Brian 
facing like the heavyweight guys and how that clearly his body wasn't like up for it at that time period. Like that goes back to the point we were making at pretty much the start. That Brian as the IC title, like the IC title guy of the 2010s, having countless five-star classic after five-star classic and Zigglers and these types, that that was where he should have been. But instead, because the loud vocal minority on Reddit and Twitter and all these people got a hold of Brian and really tried to drive him to the main event, because of that, Brian had two neck injuries because he was working with Triple H, you know, Brock, or Reigns, Orton, Cena, these types. They're just rough. And, and it, it to make, you know, the and that's what they tried to do. They tried to make the Intercontinental Championship, like the Internet Championship or whatever you want to call it, like the Smarts Championship, whatever the hell you want to use the term. But yeah. it was too late. Daniel Bryan got re-injured in that ladder match. That's point blank what it is. He had a match at Raw against Ziggler, and I think that was the end of his, his reign, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And we didn't yeah. see him again on TV till he retired. So they put him in this ladder match, and it's severely re- remote, like just cut his career short. It didn't make any sense. But if they yeah. had gone about it in a different way, maybe like a, a triple threat match or a fatal four way or something for the Intercontinental title, and Daniel Bryan wins it, and that he could have matches with Cody Rhodes, Ziggler, Sami Zayn, yeah. Kevin Owens, and it it would have been Cobble, like these types, like exactly, it would have been like Mister Perfect, Scott Hall. Shawn Michaels as the Intercontinental Champion. It would have been that kind of trajectory, and it would have been really cool to see. But imagine still- at that time, this was 2015. Imagine you have a 2015 where Cena has the US title, has one of the best US title reigns pretty much ever in 2015. You open challenge, putting over all these like NXT guys and the wrestlers, and then you've got Daniel Bryan with the IC title doing basically the same thing. So you've got the mid card titles. They would have been like collectively just simultaneously so prestigious. Then yeah, you have Rollins running around, sticking out to join the main event. But Brian and Cena would have been amazing co-champions. Well, you, you weren't a fan Brian... of I, I, I'm the future. I'm the future. Oh, I broke Cena's nose. I broke Cena's nose. Sting, Sting saw my statue, guys. But oh God, <laughs> yeah. So so instead, Brian he had his second neck injury, which uh, I mean, yeah, that that led to his first retirement. So if you want to talk about that now. Yeah, he retires in a pretty emotional segment in his home in his home state of Washington. I think they were in Seattle or something. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. emotional segment. One of the you know, one of the saddest retirement segments because a lot of people in his, obviously in his home t- state, they were crying. And I was kind of sad because I was one of my favorite wrestlers saying goodbye to him. It, you know, it was rough. And then he would do podcasts with like Edge and Christian talking about, "Oh, I'm trying to wrestle, kind of get people talking again." And yeah. they brought him in as SmackDown GM in 2016. I guess we could talk about that for a little bit, that era, the SmackDown GM, and he had the the famous promo that made the Miz's career where the oh, Miz just Oh god, Kevin, let's go. Let's yeah, the, go. Uh, talking smack. Uh first of all, Daniel Bryan as the GM, I was not a big fan of it. Like he's not an over the top charismatic guy. Like when I think of famous wrestling GMs, I think of mm. Eric Bischoff, Mick yep. Foley, Teddy Long. Teddy Long, yeah. Then you have Daniel Bryan, just like Daniel Bryan and Shane, two charisma vacuums that are just like, yeah, we're going to make matches, guys. We're going to have a great match for these fans. Exactly. We're going to put American Alpha in a great tag team match against Heath Slater and Rhino for these fans. Like that was Bryan and Shane McMahon as GMs. Just because SmackDown was really good at the time, they get a pass for that. But nonetheless, Bryan is a GM. Not great. I remember when he called Apollo Crews Apollo Creed on SmackDown. That was not the best, but nonetheless, Talking Smack. I'll let you talk about this, Kevin. This is your this is your wheelhouse. This Talking Smack promo. 
give it to us. Uh, what are your honest thoughts on it? Good God. The most overrated promo in wrestling history. Like, I, I don't even think it's close. This promo gets so freaking overrated, bro. Like, yeah, it was good. But was it? How good was it? It was just like the Miz, like, you know, the Miz just screaming, like, because Daniel Bryan called him soft, which the Miz, I mean, he wrestles kind of soft, but the Miz is also right. The Miz wrestled, he said, I wrestle the way I do because I don't want to end up like you. I don't want to end up retired. Exactly. So they, yeah. they were both right, you know? And, yeah. and like, I just such, I remember watching that promo live. And I was just like, okay, the Miz is showing me something. Finally, a little something. Can he? Can he keep up with that? No, it just went back to the same old thing. And then the Miz started doing the the what was it? The it kicks, which pro- which further proves your point. Oh, it, yeah. That further proves your point that the yes and no chant is just good for casuals because the Miz got it over. So if if the yeah. Miz can get it over, then anything can get over. And yeah, I mean, ah, yeah, well, people yeah, wanted. Yeah. Let me say one more thing before you go. Yeah. People oh, wanted at this after that promo, people were like, "Oh my God, Daniel Bryan has to come back, and the Miz yeah. has to be WWE champion, and Daniel Bryan has to beat the Miz for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania." People are hyping this feud up like it's Austin Rock, and I'm not saying it's a bad feud. Daniel Bryan versus Miz, very entertaining. Their their 2010 feud, we didn't really talk about that, but it was very entertaining. Yeah. Da- you know, Daniel Bryan, like, "Oh, I'm the better wrestler than you, but I'm your rookie." Like, it was good stuff. But come on. Like a yeah. WrestleMania main event with Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. We've been there, done that with The Miz. Oh, God. I don't want to go on too, too much of a tangent on The Miz. Continue. Stop me before I go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to say we kind of touched on this before with like the mention of Benoit. But really, that time period, Bryan, he's had two major serious neck injuries. This is a guy who's wrestled a style like indie matches for like 15 years, doing diving headbutts, like, He's very reminiscent of Benoit, has the big WrestleMania moment 10 years apart. It's scary, the the comparisons. And so then this Talking Smack promo happens. The Miz calls him soft. As you say, Miz says, I wrestle out of Duke so I can actually still wrestle and support my family and whatnot. And then people online were demanding, Miz versus Brian, make it happen. WrestleMania 33, we want Miz versus Brian. And that really made me think, Look, we did this in 2015 with Brian Brock. Like, do these people not care for the genuine health of these wrestlers? Yeah. Is it really great matches trumps all? I need to see the best possible match instead of the physical health of these individuals. Like, th- that stuff genuinely kind of got on my nerves. I'm just like, y- you people on- online have the goal to demand these-, these great matches for the sake of your viewing entertainment instead of thinking about how this could genuinely kill Daniel Bryan. Like that's that's dead that's dead on. That's dead on. I like like for me as a fan of Daniel Bryan, I was like, man, stay home. Like don't I don't want to see you wrestle. Like don't push yourself to wrestle. Eventually he did get clear and he changed his wrestling style and we're going to talk about that. But yeah. I I think when you say when you compare him to Chris Benoit, I think that's a good comparison. People wanted Daniel Bryan and The Miz to be a rivalry like Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle was, where these two guys put on all-time yeah. classics. You know, and the Miz is just not a guy. He's not on Daniel Bryan's level. He's just not. I know a lot of people like to think he is, but he's not. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode on the Miz, and we've done a rant on him, but nonetheless, I think with that being said, we're fit to move in to 2018, the return again. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, I'll get you to talk about this because I'll be honest, I was I wasn't watching at the time. I've gone back to see this stuff now, but I'll throw this over to you. Run us through Daniel Bryan's 2018 return, just. Okay, so here's the thing. The thing with this. 
like I said earlier, like I touched on briefly, people that were watching in 2015 when the Yes Movement really took over, they weren't watching WWE anymore. So Daniel Bryan comes back. He's doing the Yes chant. They get a good pop out of it. He announces his return to wrestling. Kevin Owens beats him up. Sami Zayn beats him up. And they, they do this match with him and Shane versus Kevin Owens and Sami at WrestleMania. They get a good pop out of the Yes Movement. It works. But after that, nobody cares for the Yes Movement. It, yeah. It's just yeah. the magic's not there. That was a once-in-a-lifetime lightning-in-a-bottle thing. Daniel Bryan should have came back as Brian Danielson. Not literally Brian Danielson, but he should have came back as a white-meat babyface, having really good upper-mid-card matches for the Intercontinental Championship, WWE Championship yeah. with AJ Styles, Nakamura, what have you. They tried to recreate the magic of the Yes Movement, and it fell flat. And then he's, like, teaming with Eric Rowan, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like what? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is this? So that, that yeah, was like- what I had to say about that in a nutshell. Yeah, I just want—I'll quickly chime in. Like Brian's return run prior to the Planet's Champion, so that that time period from like March through what October, that kind of like seven-month time in 2018 on SmackDown. Brian, like he did the stuff with Miz, which I'll talk about in a second. But I just want to say, look, I get Brian tried to put over Big Cass, but that was terrible. Brian versus Big Cass, backlash and Money in the Bank, just dead matches. People are like, oh, it's the best match of Big Cass's career. It wasn't a good match. Like, no. that goes to show you Big Cass just can't do it. So, Brian and Big Cass wasn't good. Then we get to SummerSlam 2018, Brian versus the Maz. So, we'll just quickly go over Brian and Miz. We kind of touched on it already, but they tried to make this the great modern-day rivalry, Daniel Bryan and the Miz. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, first, I got to say about Big Cass. People yeah. say Big Cass is underrated. Big Cass is this. But you Big got Cass a guy... terrible. He exactly. terrible. Exactly. But you but, got a guy... Oh, yeah. quick, quick, oh, quick rant. That guy, his promos, I get <laughs> wrestlers nowadays, most of them aren't the most natural promo. Most of them are better as like natural athletes. Big cast is promos, dude. Oh my God. It, especially compared to Enzo. Enzo was like a, a ball of charisma. Someone you just wanted to like whack. But then there's Big Cass. Sound like he was literally reading off a script word for word. And, and on top of that, he looks scared yeah. too. Yeah. Your S A. Double. Like, shut up. Like, no one cares. So, Brian and Big Cast, they do those matches. Brian wins both. Big Cast, his career just goes down tailspin after that. So, that was that. Then Brian and Miz happens. You want to talk about that a little? So, yeah. So, people are saying, like, you know, can Big Cast underrated? But then you got a guy like Roman Reigns who had great, who had a great match with Daniel Bryan. They won't give him his credit. It just doesn't make sense. But yeah, the Miz and Daniel Bryan. Um, what did you ask me? Is it was the great modern day rivalry? Yeah, Brian and Miz, they, you know, we have their history. 2010, they do stuff. They do stuff in 2016. We're talking smack. They have a match at SummerSlam 2018. I'll ask you the question here. Would you say Brian versus Miz is a great modern day rivalry? No. No. Yep. Agree. I'm sorry. Agree. Like I, I'm so sorry. It's not great. They have one good. They had one promo in 2016 that was good. Uh, and then the, their their rivalry in 2010 was good, but it was like for the for, it was for the United States Championship at the height of the PG era. Like I can't say that was great. It was good. Yeah. It was entertaining for the for a mid card. Um, and then 2018 yeah. to SummerSlam, it, it was like too little, too late. It felt like. And then on mm. top of that, you have the Miz, who is just the Miz is not capable of of delivering on a lot of like on a big time match. Like it, like yeah. you want to see the Miz and Daniel Bryan in the ring so bad, and then you get it in the ring, and it's an underwhelming match. The Miz, people don't really care about him. You know, it's like he's if it was Daniel Bryan and say AJ Styles, and and AJ Styles cut that promo on on 
Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, it'd be a different story. Because AJ oh, Styles sure. could deliver in the ring. He could deliver with other promos. It, it just, it would have been a different dynamic. But it's like The Miz, like, yeah, it just felt, it yeah. just felt flat. You know, it, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't really give it its due. You've, you've covered it about as well as you can. It, it's just The Miz in it. I think we can leave it at that. So, yeah, from there, you mentioned AJ Styles. Brian Styles on SmackDown, beginning of November 2018. WWE title, Daniel Bryan kicks AJ in the nuts, turns heel, wins the WWE championship, and begins his run as Planet's champion. Kevin, what were your thoughts on him as Planet's champion? My favorite iteration of Daniel Bryan, bar none. Absolutely. I loved it. I got a kick out of it. Like when he did that one promo, or that one segment when he was like throwing hot dogs at people and soda at people in, in, by the concession stand. I was laughing yeah. my ass off. It, it's just, it was entertaining stuff for what it was. 2018 was a big pile of crap, but the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles feud and the Planets champion was one of the highlights of that year. It was awesome. Oh, for sure. And it, it definitely, go ahead. Right, I'll just, I'll, I'll quickly say, I'll let you go talking, you know, gone in a moment, but just want to say, this is what wrestling needs more of. Like I talked about the Team Hell No stuff with characters and whatnot. What Daniel Bryan was as the Planets champion was the guy who, they they took what he is in real life, turned it up by 10 and made it a damn good TV character. Brian in real life, you have that combination of like your, your SJW, your liberal type. They like amplified that to 10, have him coming out as literally someone who is so pro planet, so pro, you know, everything. And it's annoying for people, you know, I'm better than you because I'm the planet's guy. Fans are booing him. Styles is like the baby face taking it to him. Like it worked well. It really did. So yeah, go on. Yeah, so you know you have this, you have a, a heel that people want to see lose the championship at WrestleMania. Not like Randy Orton. You have an actual heel that people want to see get beat, get their ass kicked. And Daniel Bryan was smart enough to realize that the Yes Movement was dead, so I give him a lot of credit. And he quickly invented himself. And the best pro wrestlers are people like you said, their real life personality turned up to ten, turned up to twenty. And that's what he was. And it was really freaking good. The matches with AJ Styles were good. The rivalry with Kofi Kingston was good. Just about everything about Daniel Bryan in this era was really good. And I, I commend it. It was good stuff. Uh, you know, Redbeard being there was what it was. But other than that, well, what can you say? It really helped Daniel Bryan. It really did help his legacy. He, it, it was like yeah. he had a character to cling on to. He, was, he became a sports entertainer, if you will. Yeah, I think... I think that run was huge for his legacy because if without the Planet's Champion, his, his heel run, what is Daniel Bryan? If, like without the Planet's Champion run, let's look at Bryan. He's a guy who wrestled as Bryan Danielson on the Indies, and then he was a white meat, bland babyface in WWE who did a chant, which got over because of the chant, not really because of him, and that would have been his career if he retired just with that. So I think the Planet's Champion was massive for his legacy i think you'd agree yeah and he had and and his heel run before that was just him yelling no while people chanted yes at him now he actually had the people eating out of the palm of his hand when he talked as a planet champion the planet's champion they created this whole new belt which was very cool that planet's championship belt was awesome yeah yeah and and it gave birth it gave birth to kofi mania it helped give birth to that that character yeah, like, um it like was just as good you stuff. say how many other heels could have made Kofi Mania as good as it was? It was the fact that Daniel Bryan was this annoying, obnoxious, you know, I'm better than you heel, and you genuinely wanted to see Kofi Kingston overcome the odds and beat him. But the, if the thing Kofi is, Kingston, yeah. everybody knows 
that Dan- everybody knows Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan in real life. That person that's like, what are you doing drinking out of a plastic bottle? You know, what are you doing eating hot dogs? You should be eating vegetables. Yeah. Everybody has someone like that in their life that they just want to punch in the face. Yeah. Point blank. It, it's but- just like his gimmick was, hi, I'm Daniel Bryan from BuzzFeed. I'm going to piss you off. Exactly. That was, it was brilliant. And so it made Kofi Mania such an amazing WrestleMania moment. Like, imagine if that was Randy Orton in that position. Could oh, Randy Orton Jesus. make Kofi Mania anywhere near as good? No. It would just be Randy going, stupid. Stupid, <laughs> stupid Kofi, you're stupid. I, I RKO'd you 10 years ago at Madison Square Garden. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I guess we got to talk about Kofi Mania. Daniel Bryan, that gave him a legitimate WrestleMania moment that I think, yeah, he's proud. Like, he could be proud of what 2014 and what he did. But it gave him another WrestleMania moment, too, that's not stained by the fact that people just cried and bitched for it to happen. It was like an actual, like, good, organic WrestleMania moment that came out of it with Kofi being being the first uh, 100% African-American champion, the New Day celebrating, crying. Like, I'm getting emotional just talking about it. It was a very good moment that was good for culture. It was good for pro wrestling. And Daniel Bryan being a part of that speaks a lot to his legacy. Oh, for sure. It's like that whole thing was just all around really damn good. So I think with that being said, now I think we'll move on to Daniel Bryan's Suffer the Fiend, I think, because the rest of 2019, what did Bryan do? There was the Redbeard storyline, which was meh, and that's really about it. So we'll move on to the Bray Wyatt stuff. I'll ask you, Kevin, is Daniel Bryan Bray Wyatt's greatest ever opponent? Uh, I would say John Cena is. I would have to I'd have to say because uh just when when he and Cena are in there it's magic. Those two guys for whatever reason they click really well together and they bring out the best in each other. But Daniel Bryan in the ring technically speaking, yeah. Bray Wyatt has his best matches with with Daniel with with Daniel Bryan, not even close. Yeah, I think the stuff with Wyatt and Daniel Bryan just all in all really damn good. Like that whole thing they did where Brian was changed by the fiend. He had his beard shaved. Like, yeah, Brian coming out of there looking like it's 2005 all over again. Like, really good stuff all around. So, yeah, unless there's anything you want to say left about that kind of era of Brian, I think we can move on to current Brian now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so Daniel Bryan, I'll just quickly ask you, just for the now, what is Daniel Bryan's character nowadays? I don't know. I really don't know. He's hardly ever around, you know? He's, yeah, he's part time at this point. I don't know. I, I, I can't put it. He has no character. He's just Daniel Bryan. He's just this guy that is pretty well respected within the wrestling community, within the wrestling world. He's a guy that that some casuals will probably know. That's it. He's just Daniel Bryan. He's a lot like he's a lot like what Shawn Michaels was at the end of his career, where it was just like, oh, that's Shawn Michaels, great wrestler. Like, there's nothing really much more to it. Yeah. I think like Daniel Bryan, his character is that he's that guy on wrestling Twitter who's like, be a fan of all wrestling promotions. I don't do WWE versus AEW. I like all wrestling. I love the business. That's Bryan's character nowadays. It's white meat babyface. He's a fan of pro wrestling. That's Bryan's character. And whether that character is compelling enough to put on a genuinely great like WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns and like a, a storyline based off that, I don't know. And so I guess this will lead us into our next question. Do you think Daniel Bryan should be the favorite for the Rumble this year? No. Come on. Yeah. No. No, it should be Goldberg, no. pal. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, no. No, just no. Like, Daniel Bryan, no. Yeah. 
No. Because like I've made like three videos on this now. I think the Rumble this year, it, there's like a massive hat of names. Edge, Lashley, Goldberg's definitely in there. Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I mean, as you, of, you said like, the favorite, Lashley. It should be Lashley. Yeah. It should be Lashley. Why shouldn't it be Lashley? No one can give me a reason why it shouldn't be. It's like Lashley deserves it. He's been protected for years and years. He looks like he should really kill you. Like, why not give it to Lashley? Give him a moment. But no, Bryan needs to win. Like, no, he doesn't. Brian can win in the Elimination Chamber if you need to do that. uh, I'll give an illustration too. So let's compare Bobby Lashley's Three Sisters segment and let's compare that Daniel Bryan and Otis segment. Oh my God. Bobby Lashley, after that Three Sisters segment, there was no outcry for Bobby Lashley to win the Royal Rumble. But after that segment with Otis, or when it was like, oh, Bobby Lashley needs to go back to TNA. WWE doesn't need Lashley. He sucks. He's garbage. Daniel Bryan has this horrible segment with Otis, and the next day people are like, oh, he needs to win the WWE Championship. Instead, oh, that, was such, that, was, that was such great comedy, Kevin. It was so funny. Like, no. <laughs> instead, Lashley is protected. He's, he's, have, he's in undercard feuds 2019, 2020. He's put with the Hurt Business with MVP. He's well protected, well built up, and now he's one of the best parts of Monday Night Raw. And now it's time for, for Bobby Lashley to have a main event push. That's how you recover from a horrible segment. You don't recover from a horrible segment by being given the Royal Rumble match, uh, by winning the Royal Rumble match yeah. because some people on the internet want to recreate the Yes movement from 2014. It's just, it's not, it's not good booking. Yeah, because I mean, I talked about my video today, but like people almost like said it, they, they set themselves up in the wrestling community for disappointment, like inevitable disappointment that they probably deep down know is coming. Like I bet most of the people who say Brian must win the Rumble are people who deep down know he's not going to win. Yeah. So when Brian inevitably doesn't win, they can have that massive freak out on Twitter for two days posting full caps, you know, F you WWE, I hate WWE, I hate Vince McMahon, I'm cancelling my network, I'm never watching. And then these are the same people who watch NXT for full two hours, watch Raw. It's just, it's so hypocritical. And you just know Brian won't win the Rumble. It, you can see it coming. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the facts. Um, I mean, come on, bro. Like, the Otis thing. We got to talk about the Otis thing. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you talk about this. I can't be bothered. Yeah, uh, like, I'm watching SmackDown. This was the Christmas Day SmackDown, right? Yep. I'm yep. hanging out, you know, I'm hanging out with, with, with my with my fiance, newly engaged. We're watching SmackDown. And the first segment I see is Daniel Bryan humping otis i missed the rest of the show this is what i turn the tv on and i see i see daniel bryan humping otis and otis is standing there with like a grin on his face and you got chad gable on the ropes this is in the performance center in some mock uh mock-up ring and chad gable's like oh yeah come on come on baby let's go come on and i'm like i'm just like what in the hell is this like did i like am i watching 2000 wcw 2000 what yeah like and, and people are trying to defend this segment on the internet like what in the imagine headlight? imagine being one of those people who defends this what? like I, I don't really have that mentality of like oh if you defend this you, you you know nothing but it's one of these segments where we talked about this in last week's podcast i'm pretty sure but if this was wwf raw as war in 1999 it would have been val venus doing this with may young and mark henry would have come over and just gotten pissed off that's what it would have been but exactly. nowadays it, it's daniel bryan just there no reason why he's there there's no storyline no explanation you've got this walking just fat man gif just like thrusting it's just what what is this 
And then Cesaro and Nakamura walk over, probably thinking, oh, yes, we like that. It's like, <laughs> come on. Oh, God. You got, yeah. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm watching this. Oh, and I'm no, like, why no. do I even like Daniel Bryan to begin with? You know, like, that's what I'm thinking at, at, for a minute. Of, like, why am I even a Daniel Bryan fan? Like, this is not funny. This is like, I guess this is who Daniel Bryan really is. This is what he finds funny. I, I don't yeah, like, know. Because the thing is, Brian, as people have talked about in the past like year, he's like he works with the creative team. Like Brian's in the creative meetings, probably pitches ideas. That like, you know he has his input. And because Brian was in this segment, no doubt Brian was heavily a part of the the writing behind this. So did Daniel Bryan think this was good TV? I so guess like, so. I guess. I, I guess. So. I don't even know. This is so. I bad. mean, yeah. So yeah. I, we could rag on that for half an hour. We're not going to bother. It was just terrible. If you haven't seen it, I-, I tried to YouTube this. I couldn't find this on YouTube. So clearly WB embarrassed by it and didn't put it up on their channel. But nonetheless, as far as I think last few questions here, I'm just going to ask you, does Daniel Bryan warrant or need a like thank you for your services, like final main event run against like Reigns and the Universal title? Like, is that really needed? Oh, I- does he need to win the championship? Maybe not. But does he deserve to go out on top like a Shawn Michaels or an Edge or a guy like that? I, I think so. You know, yeah. I, I think he's I think he's earned it. He's like, you know, if you have him face Roman Reigns in like the main event of WrestleMania, they have this unbelievable match, 30 minute match, one of the best of Roman's career. And Roman wins it. And after the yeah. match, Daniel Bryan's like, oh, this was my last match. And Roman and Daniel Bryan are hugging and Daniel Bryan holds shakes Roman or holds Roman Reigns hand up like that would be a really good way to go out. I think sure. Yeah, I was just like because my whole thing is Brian and Reigns will be phenomenal at WrestleMania. I don't think that's going to be, you know, disputed. But my my issue with it is that Brian has done nothing since Kofi Mania. That's well, that's out of the fiend. It's like that's all he's done. All like the only thing we've seen from Brian in the past, literally like a the past year, is that segment on SmackDown with Otis. Like that's the only memorable thing we can think of. Well, that that match, that match he had with AJ was really good. Oh, but yeah, that too, that too. But um, I, I mean, mean I, that, I would rather see that than Roman versus Goldberg. You know. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think most people would, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, the only positive about Roman Goldberg is that Goldberg wins both titles and stands there smiling down the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think just in general, I think Brian, if he does main event, it'd be cool. I mean, I, I don't really care, regardless of what they do, because it's. WWE is just a TV show. It's not the end all be all, but it'd be cool. I don't really mind it. So yeah, unless there's anything else you want to add in here. Nah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And lastly, just I'll finish this off. We kind of talked about it. How did you envision Brian's career going just when he came in, just in general? Yeah, like I said already, from. like I thought he was going to yeah. be like the Mr. Perfect or the, the, the you know, Bret Hart of this generation. Just a guy that hangs around the upper mid card scene, the intercontinental title scene and if there's an opportunity, he gets a world title run. So be it if he doesn't, but he would have been a guy that puts on great matches, classic matches. Like, what happened to the days where, you know, Triple H and Rock, they had a classic match for the Intercontinental title. Why can't Daniel Bryan and CM Punk have classic matches for the Intercontinental title? Like, why does everybody need to be in the main event? Why? Why does that need to be a thing? I don't understand. Like, why can't Dan- why couldn't Daniel Bryan? Not why couldn't, but Daniel Bryan, if he had a career like that, it would have been better on his health because he wouldn't have been getting beat up beat to death by Triple H and Batista. It would have been better for his career if he had yeah. those types of matches. And it would have been more entertaining, I think, in the long run. He could have been a guy that like 
brought the indie style of wrestling into the WWE, but put a little flair on it because he could prove that he could have character and it, it could have worked out. Sure. I, I think that point you make about, you know, him being IC champion and being in that role, I think that just sums up just the wrestling community nowadays, especially. Like, I look at Shinsuke Nakamura in the gauntlet match. He has this good gauntlet match showing. Instead of having him be a heel contender to Big E, and he might do Big E Nakamura and build up Nakamura, instead, make Shinsuke world champion. Has he done nothing for two years? Well, yeah, but make him world champion. Like, that mentality is just beyond me. But nonetheless, Daniel Bryan, pretty much agree with everything you said there. Daniel Bryan as a wrestler, as a talent, mid-card, IC title, like the Chris Jericho type, like nine IC title reigns over the course of like 10 years, a bunch of great matches and moments with that title. Like I pictured Daniel Bryan as the guy who, you have a dead kind of like C pay-per-view, but Bryan would face, I don't know, Finn Balor for the IC title and be a great show, like that kind of thing. But didn't really turn out that way. Nonetheless, Bryan's had a great career for, you know, where he started from to where he ended. Phenomenal career all around. Yeah, one of the best careers of the 2010s. Whether people like it or they don't, Daniel Bryan is, when you think about 2010s pro wrestling, Daniel Bryan is going to be one of the three or four guys that you think of first. He's up there with Punk. He's up there with Cena. He's up there with whoever, Randy Rollins. Orton, Rollins. Rollins. Yeah, whoever yep. you think of. Daniel Bryan is going to be at the top of that list. He's in ring, one of the best performers that we've ever seen. He's on the level of Kurt Angle. He's on the level of Bret Hart. Just from a technical standpoint, he's one of the best that's ever done. He's up there with Chris Benoit. Eddie Guerrero, guys like that, you know, and, and um, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate yeah. that, that the yes movement kind of tainted his legacy in a way and added to his legacy at the same time. But Daniel Bryan definitely left a mark. I mean, we talked about him for what, like an hour and 45 minutes. So he definitely left a mark. Oh, for sure. I mean, we only got an hour out of CM Punk. We've done an hour and like 40, hour 50 on Bryan. So big achievement from Elite Heat, episode four, the only wrestling show you need on Mondays. I think we've said it all about Daniel Bryan. We covered the Yes Movement in immense detail, his return, his whole career in general. So if, you have, if you're watching this video now and you haven't liked it, what are you doing? Come on, smash the like button, all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll be back next week for episode five. Ways to be seen on the topic of that one is yet, but if today's show is anything to go by, it should be even better. So yeah, like, comment, sub to Bonafide Hate, my channel. Any closing words, Kevin? Oh, we might just have to talk about the future next week. Oh, let's go. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, subscribe to my channel. Subscribe to Elitist channel. Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Check us out on Spotify. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.